Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We have a fabulous guest today, Dr. Ann Clark. Uh, and she is going to talk to us about something that's uh, very key. But as you know, on the focus of our show is to help change the world for the good. Uh, and uh, Dr. Clark is completely aligned with those values and is making a difference in people's lives in a big way as we speak. Dr. Clark, how are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for having me. The pleasure's all ours. Um, well, welcome again. If, if you could please tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what your, your journey so far and uh, the organization that you're in and what you're trying to accomplish, that would be fabulous. Thank you. I'm in a very confused situation because as I sit here, I am communicating with, on a regular basis, day-to-day basis, with my office and my team in Papua New Guinea. And I'm here in Adelaide because our work to end tuberculosis in Papua New Guinea was uh, derailed and somewhat sideswiped by the arrival of the coronavirus uh, globally. So in Papua New Guinea, I run a small organisation that focuses on reducing uh, the burden of tuberculosis in PNG. So in when I went back from Christmas holidays in January 2020, I went armed with the knowledge of this new virus, which we understood to be a respiratory infection. So I made the mistake of thinking that COVID and tuberculosis would be uh, felled together in mm. one foul swoop and that we would work to reduce uh, infection and promote prevention and control uh, for both diseases at once. Well, I was wrong and I was evacuated from Papua New Guinea because the international borders were clo- would, were going to close mm. and I have been in Adelaide supporting my team via whatever means possible uh, from my desk here in Adelaide. Wow. So that's a, that's so they rushed you out of the country well, when you were working? Because, I mean, TB, I mean, I, I, I think I read recently or a few years ago or months ago or something that they, it still kills about one and a half million people a year. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I, I know even from going back to watching old cowboy movies, they talk about how people dying of consumption. And they did, and yeah. scrofula and Pott's disease and all sorts of other names for it, anything but double pneumonia, mm. um, anything but tuberculosis because of its association with poverty and slum-like conditions. And we don't that, that just we've, we know better than that. It's actually about ventilation, and of course, we've all become ventilation experts thanks to COVID. Um, so, worldwide, over the last few years, uh, that number of 1.5 million, we've been edging downwards by focusing our efforts in countries like Papua New Guinea, where the the local infection rate is so high, and again. 
thankfully all the audience is now an epidemiologist thanks to COVID. So where you have uh, a known infection, you have known contacts, and so one person with tuberculosis disease will infect up to 15 or so people uh, every year. Now, tuberculosis isn't as infectious as COVID, but it's very much more deadly and has quite a different life natural history compared to COVID. Um, So a person who gets infected with tuberculosis, if they go on to get sick, they will probably die. Mm. A person with tuberculosis is probably, and dies from tuberculosis, is probably a young person. And in COVID, we've seen that that, those risk factors are quite different. What we have in Papua New Guinea is we have the major city of Port Moresby. So if if we round out the population numbers, if we say that uh, the population of Papua New Guinea is around about 10 million, which we don't consider to be a very large country... um, and we round out the number of people in Port Moresby to be around about a million, um, we have about 40,000 cases of TB in PNG every year. Mm. To look at PNG as one place in the same way as we don't look as Australia as one place or India as one place, but what we do know is that over a quarter of all TB cases in PNG are based in Port Moresby. Mm. And what are the factors that drive that? Overcrowded housing. Uh, poverty where too many people live in one house but in PNG we also have living in family units is a cultural culturally traditional and usual way of living so to say poverty is not always necessarily accurate so houses with many people living in one place but one case that doesn't get tested and treated accurately drives many more cases and so Mm. like we've all learned with outbreaks we have a serious outbreak of tb in papua new guinea Mm. well i know as a kid i when i was studying it uh, because i uh, in university uh, that i think they said something about between the 1600s and 1800s or i I think in the 1600s to 1800s 25% of deaths were from tb Wow. Um, so it's or, – or they died with TB, you know, in addition to something else. So, I mean – and I remember as a kid, uh, you know, getting the sh- – the well, I remember being told I got the vaccination and everybody like in my parents' generation has that big – huge circle thing that's about the size of a <laughs> 20 cent piece on their arm ah. where they got that shot so but i just heard uh, you told me before we started that that we nobody's vaccinated for tb anymore really it, it's a very complex situation and matthew i'm sorry you've shown your age so before 1971 we had a community where many communities globally had had much higher rates of tuberculosis and as you well know, Australia has an absolutely incredible best-on-planet infectious disease and hospital system. And out of Europe in the 40s after the World War, where thousands of people were moved and shifted around the world um, to stop the spread of TB out of those pockets of poverty, war-torn Europe and Africa and other places affected by displaced people. And that's... that. TB has been a collection point for those disasters uh, since time began. So after the World War, where we had infectious disease control programs, um, the BCG vaccine was given 
wherever there were high rates of tuberculosis. The BCG vaccine actually never gave lifelong protection. It reduced the severity of the disease that you may get. Mm. What we have now is... For all intents and purposes, we have no community transmission of TB in Australia. That's white, wealthy te- uh, Australia, by the way. Um, so the need to immunise against children from an infectious, circulated infectious disease is not, is, not, it is not present because we don't have any circulating community transmission. In PNG and places like PNG where uh, rates of transmission are high, only infants are vaccinated with the BCG vaccine. And that vaccine is a bit different in that it helps to prevent children getting uh, TB meningitis or TB in the brain and most serious forms of TB. And it's not lifelong. And as we all know, uh, our understanding of vaccines and diseases has changed quite profoundly with time. So the most efficient way of using the limited and expensive supplies of vaccine is to give it to infants in high prevalence countries, which is not the case in Australia anymore. Mm. But I mean, isn't I mean, I, again, I haven't studied TB for 30 years, but I mean, isn't is it? It has a long incubation period, basically. You can live with it for a long period of time, correct? If, if if, as so, I was, coughed uh-huh. on as a child, mm-hmm. I grew up in Africa where there are also mm-hmm. high rates of tuberculosis, then I probably, I have, I know that I have been exposed and many of your listeners will remember having a tuberculin skin test, mm-hmm. which detects whether or not your immune system has seen this infection before. And when I came to Australia, I had a t- a tuberculin skin test and of course it turned into a raging wound Mm -hmm. and that showed that I had a vibrant and healthy immune system. So it showed that I had been exposed to TB before Mm -hmm. and therefore they said, oh, we better check this person to see that they don't have active disease because Mm -hmm. my immune system said, we recognise there may have been an infection. Let's check this person with an X-ray to see if they have active TB disease. Mm-hmm. I did not. Mm. But many years later, if my immune system is put under pressure, it's possible that I will develop active TB. Yeah, well, your your body basically stores the virus; it's never defeated, correct? It's a bacteria. So, yeah. so why aren't we at, at risk of a TB outbreak if if there aren't? If most of us aren't vaccinated now, because I'm not coughing TB on you. But if but if there was an influx of immigrants who were coughing, yeah, wouldn't there be? Isn't absolutely there? okay? Yes, we would be at risk if people were coughing, and this idea that viruses and bacteria are spread through coughing is something that we've all learned to be so much more aware of. Okay, well, on that happy note. <laughs> well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be back in a little bit. We're gonna hear uh, have a quick break to pay some bills, and uh, we'll be back with Dr. Ann Clark. tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno. 
star bene ogni mercoledì dalle 10 alle 11 con Patrizia e Rosa Maria solo su Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions your experts in all things coffee Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city Mention Radio Italia 1 and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Ann Clark, who's taken it upon herself to help out the people of Papua New Guinea. Uh, with uh, in in regards to tuberculosis and some other infectious diseases, um, Dr. Clark, um, can you tell us a little bit before we get too di- deep into uh, our discussion here? How can the audience help you out in your efforts? Oh, Matthew, that's an excellent question. Thank you. So, the businesses for health is our method is that to invest in TB is to save the lives and productivity of your business. And every workplace in Papua New Guinea has people who they employ or local community members who are dying from TB or whose families are suffering because a family member has TB and therefore may lose their job. So our our method has been to ask workplaces to pay us to learn more about TB and to train them in helping to find cases of TB. So we earn our own income by selling information and education about early case finding and supporting people to learn about f- access to free TB treatment. So someone who doesn't understand the system, who thinks that they've got to pay for TB training or TB treatment, may be depriving their family of food on the table. So our method has been to charge people for training. Our other method is to ask major businesses to sponsor us. Mm-hmm. So we we exist under a model of sponsorship from major businesses mm-hmm. and charging people for information on how to save the lives of their employees. So mm-hmm. it's a shared value model. Okay. So is there a website or a Facebook page? or? Uh, we, we do have a Facebook page and we do have a website. And the more attention we get means that the more people will follow us. And, of course, um, I'm on LinkedIn um, and the page is on LinkedIn. And PNG at this point doesn't receive money. Uh, can't re- we can't receive donations because of the international currency. Uh, you can't just give money in PNG. Wow. Uh, because you, we can't do e-commerce yet in the same way as we can mm. here in Adelaide. Um, but anyone who would like to support our organization... So even as a... You can't send a wire transfer through oh, the yes, SWIFT system? Yes, you can. Yes, you okay. can. But you can't say click here and pay now. Oh, okay. Um, but 
2022, that is one of our ambitions because the financial service sector has changed profoundly over the last mm-hmm. two years. And we will have an opportunity to receive donations internet from from anywhere uh, for businesses to support us or anyone to support And that'll us. be starting approximately when? Oh, tomorrow. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so they have a – what's your Facebook page? Our Facebook page is uh, business at B4HTB. Okay. Uh, so B4HTB is our Facebook page. And they, at the moment, they will see a post about me coming here today. Mm-hmm. Um, they will see a post about TB and COVID testing facilities in the National Capital District of Port Moresby mm-hmm. or TB and COVID services that are we are promoting people to access services in Ley, the second biggest city in Port Moresby. So um, attention is what we thrive on mm-hmm. um, because it means that businesses who sponsor us know that they will be see, they will be seen to be sponsoring us so anyone can contact me and what's the website uh, www.businesses plural mm-hmm. number four mm-hmm. health.com mm. okay um, and on our website you will see uh, I've calculated a death clock which is most morbid mm. but on our website you will see how many people have died since the beginning of last year and mm. you will see that in PNG, uh, over 5,000 people have died in the last year of tuberculosis. Mm. Um, that and every year. And until the onslaught of the COVID pandemic, we were making headroads at in de- decreasing the number of deaths from TB and PNG. Mm. Wow. Well, it's 1.5 million worldwide now. So, I mean, last year, well, in 2020 is what I is what I read. So, in so I mean, if you think about the last 100 years, I mean, 150 you know, that's million. A, a minimum. I think it's way, way, way more than that. But yeah. and 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 usually I would think the people dying of TB are in less industrialized uh, nations. So I would think a lot of those numbers are not recorded. It, it's not equitably distributed, and mm-hmm. as you and I both know, no one in Adelaide today is walking mm. around with tuberculosis. Mm. So that 1.5 million deaths, as you so carefully have pointed out, that's probably a gross underestimate mm. of mm. the people who have died. If you die of something in Papua New Guinea, you may be several hours walk from a health facility. Mm. So getting an accurate diagnosis or registering that death as TB as a cause of death is something that's very difficult in places like Papua New Guinea. So every case of TB, uh, for it to be tested and treated accurately, uh, is a minimum of a six months of uh, really, really heavy-duty medication Mm. And it's not a case of just the old amoxicillin or penicillin. Mm. It's a serious combination of TB drugs that only works in the right combination and and the need to supervise that to make sure that you are cured in the end and that the bacterium is gone from your sputum or other part of your body. Mm. So what do you think we can learn from – I mean, TB has been a world – wide pand uh epidemic maybe not pandemic but for you know 100 years i mean uh, i mean uh, i remember reading you know in in university that you know ancient china had the problem with it and all throughout history so 
uh, you know, if we've lost 150 million people, at least if, if, you know, probably way more than that, what do you think we learn from that to help us with COVID? What do you think COVID might help us with with TB as far as all the efforts that have been put into battling both? Oh, it, that is such a difficult question because in 2017 and 2018 and 2019, we were struggling to get to, f- to have the resources to we have make sure that all TB patients had access to a face mask. Mm-hmm. And I think you only have to walk down the main street of any city in Australia to know that face masks have become the new cigarette butt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... To, to enable infection prevention and control from tuberculosis, I hope that people understand that coughing is a way that people spread infections and that we have learned that because everybody, even the wealthy people, have, been, have, have endured COVID. But that infection and prevention and control is even more important in places like Papua New Guinea. Mm. Why Why should people in Australia, I mean, care about what happens in Papua New Guinea? I mean, I'm not trying to be callous other than, you know, you should probably want to sleep at night. But well, besides the, the, you know, the feel-good part of it, why should we care? There's, there's nothing feel-good about the fact that our closest neighbor is a few kilometers from our closest border in northern Queensland. Our closest neighbor uh, is brewing. 40,000 cases of tuberculosis a year and we want those people to come and work in our agricultural sector. We want those people to come and buy our goods and services and use our universities and go to our fee-paying institutions. We want them to invest in this country. And so 10 million Papua New Guineans, if they are healthy and well, are customers for our goods and services and tourism industry. They can't come if they're sick. Mm. They are also, Papua New Guinea is the beneficiary of hundreds of millions of dollars of Australia's generosity through its foreign aid program. So if Australia gives around about $600 million a year in foreign aid for health, it could be giving Papua New Guinea foreign aid to develop its renewable energy sector. It could be developing better education services for Papua New Guineans to develop more and better social services. But at the moment, hundreds of millions of dollars of foreign aid is going into preventing cases of TB, testing and treating TB better. So it's money wasted on on other ways of developing human beings. It's just not going into those other things that you and I benefit from, from social services of better schools, better roads, better communications, more physicians, more physics graduates, more engineers. At the moment, that money's being used to save lives from TB, which no one in this country is dying of. Mm. Those people who are three hours flight from Brisbane... One and a half hours flight from Cairns, if they come with multi-drug resistant tuberculosis, will cost this community hundreds of thousands of dollars of care in our public system. Mm. Well, we're going to pick it up there in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about some of the highly resistant strains and things in the next session. How good is Mighty Joe's? They're brilliant. 
Mighty Joe's is the largest fruit market in South Australia. They handle all Italian small goods. And a family business. Yeah, that's right. Four decades. Joe and Francesco, they're proud to present fresh produce from local growers and local produce markets, passing massive savings on to you. And their service is so friendly. Tell me about the opening hours. Absolutely. They're open 7 until 7, Monday to Friday, and 7 until 5, Saturday and Sundays. And they have weekly bargains and specials, like nuts and fruit and veg, cold meats, pastas, and plenty more. And they've got a new shop. They certainly have. Mighty Joe's are now at 115 Findon Road, Woodville. Check their Facebook page, Mighty Joe's Fruit Market. I need some fruit and veg. I'm heading down right now. I'll come down with you. Bed sale on right now at Save-A-Lot Beds. Lowest prices in Adelaide. Save hundreds or even thousands. New orthopedic beds in queen or double for only $4.49. Australian-made queen or double mattresses for only $1.99. King-size pillow-top mattresses for only $4.99. Get the good night's sleep you deserve. Save-A-Lot Beds sale is on right now at 634 Port Road in Beverly. Don't miss out. Get down to Save-A-Lot Beds at 634 Port Road in Beverly for the massive double queen and king size sale. Governo locale, mercoledì dalle 11 alle 12 con Patrizia e Tony. Solo su Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM. Ora più che mai, l'assistenza che le famiglie conoscono e di cui si fidano è qui per te. A bene. Con i nostri servizi di assistenza domiciliare, i tuoi cari diventano nostri. Offriamo servizi di supporto sociale e assistenza per fare la spesa ed Andrea si è sentito completamente a suo agio. Il personale è stato fantastico fornendomi supporto sociale a casa. Bene, fornisce servizi per mantenere uno stile di vita attivo e di benessere, assistenza domiciliare o residenziale agli anziani, con rispetto e calore. Con Bene, sei in famiglia. Chiamaci all'81 31 2000 o visitaci su bene.org.au Foodland's proudly owned by South Australian families like mine. Our stores are our second home and just like home, we want you to feel safe and looked after when you visit. Thankfully, our customers have always acted like Mighty South Aussies when shopping with us, which, by the way, supports all the local family-owned brands who produce the essentials you find on our shelves. Great families, great locals and great food lives here. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. In our last session, we were talking about why Australia should care about, uh, you know, diseases in other countries other than the obvious ethical reasons. And uh, we also talked a little bit about some of the super resistant bugs that are being developed that personally have worried me for a couple decades. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that, Dr. Clark? Tuberculosis is a bacteria, and a ba- as many of your audience may be aware, that antimicrobial resistance has been a growing problem for many for many years, and that uh, this push to not give antibiotics when it's not an anti- when it's not a bacterial infection has massive and global implications for things like tuberculosis so if you like you can picture a person who's scared of losing their job so they avoid telling their boss that they're sick 
And in a place like PNG, you're desperate. You may be the only person in your community with a job. And so keeping your job is something that you, you see as being very important. So you disguise the fact that you've got a cough and you avoid getting tested or treated at all cost because until recently and without education, a lot of bosses would sack someone with TB. Oh, my goodness, get them out of here. Mm. So working to train bosses to not do that is really important for for this very reason of uh, microbial resistance. So let's let's go back maybe... 15 years ago. So a young man avoids getting tested and treated. But with TB, if you're really strong and you eat well and you exercise well, and you may remember stories of the sanatorium where people went off to have fresh food, sunshine and eat well and exercise and to let the body recover and to to sort of to let the body overcome this bacteria. If you make that a little bit more complicated by giving someone the right drugs for a little while, so the person takes their correct TB treatment for maybe a month and they stop coughing. So this person thinks, Ripper, I can go back to work. So they stop coughing, they go back to work, and their boss thinks that they're fine again. So they are fine. And they keep their job and they eat well and they stay out of trouble and but things don't go so well for them the next year or they lose their job because they're underperforming because, in fact, they're not doing very well. And it might not be TB in the lungs and it might be TB elsewhere in their body so they don't know what is wrong with them. Mm. So then they're forced to maybe go back to the doctor a year or so or maybe even three or four years later and those same drugs that knocked the TB on the head very quickly five years ago the body, ha- the the bacteria recognizes these antibiotics and says, ah, 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 we know you, we know how to get around this situation. And so the drugs don't work because the bacteria as, has, has, has got stronger in fighting uh, the antibiotics that are given. And one of those drugs is called rifampicin. So in PNG, um, what we're seeing is about 5% of all new cases of tuberculosis are what we say is rifampicin resistant, so resistant to the first line of TB drugs. Mm. What we're seeing is for people who are coming back years later or with a retreatment or who relapsed or didn't complete their treatment sometime before, for retreatment cases or relapse cases, we're seeing drug resistance at rates of up to 25% for previously treated people. Mm. Wow, that's rough. Well, I, I, um, I, I lived in China for a while, and I, I mean, in China, you can, this was my, it's been a few years, so I don't want to bag a whole country or anything, but you, you, I don't think even I don't think I even needed a prescription for antibiotics in China. I mean, it's they ba- ba- they give it out like lollipops at the dentist. <laughs> antibiotics. So, so how how I mean, it's a little bit like climate change as far as the 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 chance to fix this problem. Because I mean, great if the United States and the countries like Australia do all this stuff to help out the climate and lower emissions. So what if China and India aren't on board? Forget it. I mean, same thing. I mean, there you know in. China, if there's 1.4 billion people and they take antibiotics every time they get a sniffle, 
I, I don't see how we're going to get out of this problem as far as, you know, um, resistant, dr- uh, resistant bacteria and microbes. The awareness of antimicrobial resistance has really picked up and you're absolutely right and that's why we have uh, drug-resistant gonorrhea drug-resistant, all sorts of other diseases have become drug-resistant. So it's not just tuberculosis, it's just that the bacteria that uh, causes tuberculosis is even really much harder to kill than gonorrhea used to be relatively simple to kill. Mm. I I don't have any experience with that, so... (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, but seriously, though, it does seem like we're uh, creating this opportunity... Uh, for some sort of superbug to come. Absolutely, and that's why we have foreign aid, Matthew. We we work to to make sure that we look after ourselves and then we work to look after our nearest neighbours to make sure that they aren't the brewing point for more diseases. And that's why we talk about vaccinating everybody, not just ourselves, because you're absolutely right. If Papua New Guinea or China or any other place is brewing variants to any infection, not just the coronavirus, um, we, we put ourselves at risk. So mm. it's, it, we're not well. We're not all well till we're all well. So it's kind of the thing where we're all in the same boat. We are, absolutely. All right. Well, on that positive note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Dr. Ann Clark. Our independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active, ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website, braziermobility.com.au. Brazier Mobility, creating independence. Vi aspetto su Radio Italia 1 ogni martedì dalle 12 alle 14.30 cultura e tradizione napoletana con la vostra Luciana radio, amore e fantasia Estovest a restaurant that offers traditional Italian food that Nonna would approve of famous for gnocchi and authentic Napoletana style pizza and every Thursday night you can enjoy unlimited pizza for just $25 wonderful coffee and staff that make you feel special Estovest Shop 1, 111 Angus Street in the city. To book, visit their website, estorvest.com.au and click on Book Now. You'll feel like you're in Italy. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Welcome back, Dr. Clark. Uh, in the little time we have left, can you please tell us what you'd like the listeners to carry away from our time here today? Thank you, Matt. 
March the 24th is World TB Day and I would like all of your listeners who have friends or business relationships or family histories through the Kokoda track and World War II to remember our closest neighbours who who have the opportunity to make sure no one who they employ uh, dies or gets sick from tuberculosis in 2022. Our workplace, our, our program to reduce TB has taken a setback because of COVID. So following businesses for health, uh, engaging with us, sending us an email to find out how they could support us or how to put, be put in touch with businesses in PNG who really need to support us because we have the capacity to save many lives. 5,000 people a year die of TB in Papua New Guinea every year and will again this year. Wow. Okay, well, that's that's huge. I mean, COVID has uh, cost us so many more lives because we've had to take our eye off the ball on a lot of other things. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to thank you today for being being here with us. It's been fabulous. I want to thank Mark Aston, of course, for paneling for us. And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, at 6 p.m. on Monday for Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Please don't miss it. And as always, I'll leave you with a brief inspirational message. This inspirational message is brought to you by Save-A-Lot Beds. You deserve a good night's sleep. Visit their showroom at 634 Port Road in Beverly or call them on 1-300-791919. He was the youngest of 10 children and the grandson of a slave. The name he's known by is not even his real name. That was a mistake made by his teacher when he was young because she couldn't understand his thick southern accent. He started working his first year of middle school. Born to poverty, the youngest of ten, obviously he didn't eat well. Obviously the sanitary conditions he lived in weren't great for his health. He didn't have the best clothes, much less the best shoes. But in middle school, the junior high track coach who was also a PE teacher, noticed he had some skill in running. He had to work, so this coach, a white man, would practice with him before school because he couldn't practice with the team after school. He continued this into high school, and in high school, he equaled the national record in the 100-yard dash. He got accepted to Ohio State University. He didn't get a scholarship because he was black, even though he tied the national record. He couldn't live on campus because he was black. He couldn't eat with the team in restaurants because he was black. He couldn't sleep in the same hotels as the team when they traveled to track meets because he was black. So he had to work all the way through university. Despite this, in 1936, at a university track meet, he set three world records and tied another in one meet, which has been called by historians the greatest 45 minutes in sports. Another historian is quoted as saying this was the most impressive athletic achievement since 1850. In the championship track meet, he won four gold medals in 1935 and another in 1936. It would be 70 years before someone else won four gold medals in a university track meet. In 1936, Jesse Owens went to the Olympics in Berlin and in front of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party, which espoused the supremacy of the Aryan race. 
He won four gold medals in track and field. The grace and poise he exhibited in competing in front of the Nazi party made him not just a hero in the United States, but Germany as well. No one had ever won four gold medals in track and field in the Olympics before, and it wasn't done again until 48 years later. The long jump record he set that day also lasted 25 years. When he came back to America, he had a parade in New York City in his honor. At the end of the parade, he still couldn't enter the front door of his hotel to go to his reception. He had to go through the freight elevator because he was black. Even though Adolf Hitler himself was said to have saluted him for his success in Berlin, the President of the United States ignored him, didn't congratulate him, nor did he invite him to the White House like the other Olympians because he was black. He wanted to take advantage of potential commercial endorsements, so the Olympic Committee pulled his amateur status so he could never compete again. He was prohibited from making appearances, and all endorsements were withdrawn. So he had to go back to menial jobs. He worked as a gas station attendant and a janitor. He even raced against horses to make money. When he was criticized for being an Olympian who raced horses, he is quoted as saying, people say that it was degrading for an Olympic champion to run against a horse. But what was I supposed to do? I had four gold medals, but you can't eat four gold medals. He kept at it. In 1940, with money he made racing a horse, he went back to school to finish his university education. In 1949, he opened a public relations company. In 1955, he was named ambassador of sports by the U.S. President Eisenhower and toured the world promoting amateur sports. In 1956, he was the president's personal representative to the Melbourne Olympics. In 1965, he served as the running coach for the New York Mets. In 1970, he published a book. In 1976, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by U.S. President Ford, which is one of the two highest civilian awards available in the United States. In 1979, U.S. President Carter awarded him with the Living Legend Award. And in 1990, President Bush awarded him the Congressional Gold Medal, which is the second of the two highest awards a civilian can earn in the United States. In 1990 and 1998, he was honored with a postage stamp. And in 1999, he was honored by ESPN as the sixth greatest North American athlete of all time. Today, there are schools, streets, stadiums, etc., all named after him. What do we learn from Jesse Owens? Well, first of all, we learn it doesn't matter if we start out poor, malnourished, unprivileged, etc., It's where you end up that matters. The fact that others don't recognize your achievements or ability isn't the point. The point is that you achieve what you want and you recognize your own achievements. He teaches us that giving up when things are unfair is not the way to go, but should be used as motivation to strive to achieve even more. And he also reminds us through his own work with the disadvantaged youth and in his own words, that, quote, there is no such thing as an average kid, unquote. Perhaps most of all, we learn from Jesse Owens that there are two kinds of people. 
the ones that will let the fact they were born into a disadvantaged condition stop them from trying. The type that will let others convince them they are inferior. The ones who will let the system and the odds against them break them. And then there are the kind of people like Jesse Owens who bring to mind the old saying that adversity causes some to break and others to break records. The kind who will not listen to the naysayers, who will not believe it when they are told they are inferior, who will not give up regardless of how unfair their situation is and will accomplish their dreams and perhaps things others thought were completely impossible. The question is, which one are you? This inspirational message was brought to you by Save-A-Lot Beds. Visit their showroom at 634 Port Road in Beverly or call them on 1-300-791919. You deserve a good night's sleep.